Today our first reading comes from the book of 2 Maccabees, from the seventh chapter of that book. Uh, and if, if you have time this week, it'd be worth pulling out your Bible and reading the whole chapter 7. Uh, today we just get a little snippet of the story, but it's such an inspiring story about a mother and her seven sons. So the story takes place during the brutal persecution of the Jews under the Greek king Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Uh, and this is uh, relatively late in Jewish history. It's this, this happens only maybe 150 or 200 years before Christ is born. So we're getting closer and closer to, to the birth of Christ. So in this story, a Jewish mother and her seven sons are arrested and they're brought before the authorities and they're, they're being forced to renounce their faith or do something that, they, that their faith says is deeply offensive. And the reason is because they're, they're refusing to adopt Greek customs, Greek language. This is what, uh, what this particular... Uh, Greek tyranny was asking of all the peoples under its rule that they would, they would Hellenize or they, they would become like the Greeks. So even the Jewish men who were circumcised were, were forced to cover up the mark of their circumcision. So this is a very traumatic time in Jewish history in a time where a lot of people went to their death because of their refusal uh, to, to do anything that would be offensive to God. And so this, this woman and, and her seven sons are brought uh, before the authorities and they're, it's demanded of them that they eat pork, uh, which was a, uh, eating pork because pigs are considered unclean animals in, in traditional Judaism. To eat pork would have been something that would be offensive to God and so they're they're told that they either have to eat this pork and and make a pub and which would be a public renunciation of their faith to do that, or suffer brutal torture and death. And it and it was brutal torture. <laughs> so the first son comes forward and uh, refuses to give in to the demands of the authorities, and he's tortured and killed in front of his family and then the next son and so each each of these sons comes up before the authorities and each refuse to eat pork uh each refuses to offend god and they each of them gives their lives in this way and so then they get to the the last son and uh here here the 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 governor makes a special plea to this last son apparently they figured that out of these seven, at least one of them would renounce the faith. And probably this family was an important family in the Jewish community because this is what, during the times of persecution, including Christian persecution, this is what they would do. They would, they would target those leaders of the community because if they could get, if they could get one of the leaders to uh, renounce their faith, well, then they figured that people, people would follow their example. So they get to the last son, and the governor says, um, I, will, I will make you rich if you will just renounce your faith, I, or just eat this bit of pork. 
I will give you a position in the government and you'll never have to worry uh, again if you'll just eat this little bit of pork. And, uh, and then the governor turns to the mother and, and effectively says, you know, do, don't you want to see your son healthy and wealthy and, 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 and alive? Tell your son to just, just do this insignificant little thing. And, um, and at first it appears the, that the mother is going to um, maybe try to dissuade her son from uh, following the, the same way as the brothers. But then she says to him, she says, I beg you, child, look at the heavens and the earth and see all that is in them. You will know that God did not make them out of existing things in the same way humankind came into existence. Then she says this, do not be afraid of your executioner, but be worthy of your brothers and accept death so that in the time of mercy, I may receive you again with your brothers. And then she had barely finished speaking when her son says, what are you waiting for? Put me to death as you put the others. And then the mother herself is put to death. So it's, it's good for us to, to reflect on these, these stories of the Jewish martyrs as well as the stories of the Christian martyrs. Christian martyrs weren't asked to do something like eat pork, but they were asked to make, to make some kind of public renunciation of their faith, like perhaps to, to spit on a holy image of Jesus or of Mary or to, um, to trample on, on a holy image like that. And many refused to do so in, in the history of our faith, and many thousands and thousands have gone to their death as, as a, a Christian witness. So what, what would we do in that situation? And, and for you who are mothers, what, what would you do in that situation, that last, that last son? Would you encourage him to follow suit like the other brothers? Uh, these are good questions for us to, to reflect on. Last week, we, um, on November 2nd, the, the church re, uh, had All Souls Day, which is the commemoration of all souls, and November itself is, is a time for us when we can, can reflect on, on the reality of death. And uh, this is, this is a, one of the readings from, from the Book of Wisdom that we often use at a funeral mass. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment shall touch them. This is, this, this, this is the kind of faith that this woman and her sons had. Uh, this, this book of wisdom would have been written right about that time, also very late in Jewish history, almost to the time of Christ. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment shall touch them. He doesn't mean that no torment of the body will touch them, but that their soul is protected. No torment shall touch them. They seemed in the view of of the foolish to be dead, and their passing away was thought an affliction, and their going forth from us utter destruction, but they are in peace. 
they are in peace. Chastised a little, they shall be greatly blessed because God tried them and found them worthy of himself. As gold in the furnace, he proved them, and as sacrificial offerings, he took them to himself. So the the writer of the scriptures is is telling us that that death suffered by the just is, is not an affliction, it's not a punishment, but rather it it contains with it a blessing. A blessing awaits for those who suffer death with the Lord. And this isn't just true of the martyrs, but it's true of all of the baptized. For all of the baptized who uh, believe in the promises that Christ has made us, a blessing awaits those who suffer death with and for the Lord. A blessing. There's a, a little story, or there's a, an image that my, my pastor, when I was first ordained, my pastor would always talk about at funerals. And when I was at when I was, I was, when I was first ordained, my pastor did all of the funerals, and, um, and he would, and which, is, which is fine, but I hardly did any, but I, wa- I witnessed a lot of funerals because I was often with him, and he would tell this story, and I, and I thought, I heard it so many times, I thought, I am, never, I am never using that myself, and then as soon as I started having funerals, immediately I started talking about this image too, but, but it's the image of the baby in the womb who's, who's born. And if we think about a baby in the womb, uh, what a wonderful place the womb must be. I mean, I don't remember it myself, but the baby, so protected there, so warm, without any, any trouble or worry, safe there in her mother's womb. And then if we can imagine what happens when, when the birth pangs come, and what an, a t- terrible time that must be for the baby, when you go from this place of protection and then all of a sudden there's this, there's um, physical pain and, and the, the womb is disrupted, the, the environment, that safe environment is, is, is disruptive and then, and then you're being born and the baby must think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to die. I am, I am on the road to destruction. And then the baby gets through childbirth, and what happens? Well, the baby's laid in the arms of her mother, and there gets to hear her mother's loving voice, see her mother's eyes and smile, experience what it's like to be held and loved and cherished. And very soon, that little baby, because of how much love she experiences in this new life, she'd never want to go back to the womb. Even though at the time of, that she was being born, she thought the worst thing was po- possible was happening to her. So it is with our death for the Christian. We, we fear death. It's something that's fearsome to us. We fear the physical pain that might come with it. We fear the unknown, that, that passageway uh, into this other life that we don't know what it's going to be like. But in heaven, we'll experience life in a totally new way. We'll be 
fully alive in heaven. Finally, we'll be able to receive God's love perfectly and totally in heaven, and we'll be able to love God perfectly and totally. We'll be able to receive the love of others perfectly and totally and, lo- and love others perfectly and totally. There in heaven, we'll, we'll experience love in such a profound way that even if given the choice, we'd never want to come back to this life because of how freeing it is to be totally immersed in God's love and in the love of others. We'll be fully alive. So this is the kind of confidence that God wants us to have regarding death, regarding the death of our loved ones, but, even, but also regarding our own death. As we, as we experience our own mortality in different ways, um, we, can be, we can have this, we can become resentful of God as our health declines or, uh, or um, as, as we realize that our life is becoming shorter, we can resist in various ways uh, the, the, this oncoming of, of death. And, and, but God wants us to see it a different way. Um, he, of course, our life is good, and we, we should never try to hasten our death in an unnatural way, trusting that when God wants us, he'll take us to himself. But what's our attitude towards that? Uh, he wants us to be really firm in our confidence that a blessing awaits us, that life awaits us, that true love and life awaits us. Uh, so that we can have hope for the future and even, even long for heaven, want it, want to experience it as soon as we can. So, uh, brothers and sisters, as we, as we ex- encounter the Lord today in, in our Eucharist, we encounter the Lord who wants us to know that God created us to live with him forever in an intimate communion of life and love. This is our destiny. Uh, may, may each one of us live with the faith in God's plan for our life, that we don't have to fear death, that we don't have to be resentful towards it, but that with his help and grace, we would, uh, we would look forward to that time of true life and love.